Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the Logical Christian Podcast. I'm your Logical Christian, Dan Irwin. If you've joined me before, welcome back. If this is your first time here, welcome. At the Logical Christian Podcast, we look at what's going on in the world of current events, politics, science, and whatever the mainstream media feels is important to tell us, but rather than just accepting their spin and swallowing their narrative, we look at it logically, and we look at it as Christians. Links can be found in the show notes if you want to follow along. So with that, let's go be logical Christians. Well, like I said, I don't want to do a lot of COVID stuff on here. However, as a West Virginian that's suffered through our Republican governor's parroting of every single leftist talking point that his advisor, Dr. Marsh, has given him, I feel we need to talk about the recent events. On Wednesday, January 12th, as written about in various sites, I chose WCHSTV.com article entitled, West Virginia Governor Jim Justice Tests Positive for COVID-19. Our governor apparently awoke that morning with congestion and a cough. A short time later, he added a headache and a fever and decided to test. Of course, as the rapid tests are prone to do, it failed, showing him negative. The article says that, quote, by the late afternoon, his symptoms were still getting much worse, his blood pressure and heart rate were extremely elevated, and he had a high fever, end quote. A PCR test administered that evening showed him positive, and he began receiving monoclonal antibodies that night. Moving forward one day to another article on the WCHS site entitled, Thankfully, I'm Feeling Much Better Today, West Virginia Governor Jim Justice says, We find out that indeed, the monoclonal antibody treatment went well, and his symptoms have decreased. So why do I bring this up here? Well, I needed some filler. No, that's not why. I haven't even gotten to the illogicality yet. Give me a second here. Jim Justice has been one of the biggest proponents of the jab that's being called a vaccine in this country. I think being the first or one of the first in the country to come up with the idea of bribing the populace to get the shot in exchange for gift cards, cash, and a chance at various prizes. I don't know if he's so pro-Trump that he wants to make sure that if Trump is behind it, that he's right there behind Trump. And make no mistake, love him or hate him, love or hate this vaccine, Trump was the instigator and the driving force behind getting it to the public. Or if maybe Governor Justice is just really a fan of experimental drugs, or if he's that terrified of the virus, or maybe a combination of those and others, don't know. Regardless, he has pushed and pushed and pushed, having live stream press conferences two or three times a week to go over the numbers and threaten and demand and plead with the state to get vaccinated. Knowing this, and knowing that he's been fully vaxxed and boosted, and like many, many others right now, still got sick, he had this to say on the day he tested positive. Quote, While I was surprised that my test results came back positive, I'm thankful to the Lord above that I've been vaccinated, I've been boosted, and that I have an incredible support system, especially my loving family. He then went on to say, quote, that that being said, I feel extremely unwell at this point, end quote. I'd say that with the rapid speed they moved, Governor Justice was much worse than extremely unwell. To go from congestion and cough in the morning to antibodies that evening, that's a pretty fast window. Let's be honest, without knowing his health history, he's 70 years old and very clearly obese. The data we have right now per the CDC is that approximately 75% of the COVID deaths were in people who were overweight or obese, which is why I need to stop stress eating even though it makes everything feel so much better for a few minutes until the regret sets in. This is not about me, 
<clears throat> I guarantee that his team, of which good old Doc Marsh is at least a part of, if not heading up, was probably pretty concerned. So Justice was surprised. What this suggests to me is that he's completely out of touch with the world right now. People vaxxed and unvaxxed, natural immunity or not, are all getting Omicron. We'll all get Omicron over the next year or two, or whatever Greek letter or cartoon character or wherever they're at in the naming scale, that's basically the same virality and transmissibility as Omicron. If he had simply read some news, he'd know that everyone is getting this, even, as shocking as it may seem, those that are fully vaxxed and boosted. Now, I'm not going to go into how these shots differ from any real vaccine in all of history or, or the safety profile compared to all others or how we've never in all of history claimed a vaccine and yet had universal breakthrough infections like this. There's so much there. As of now, we'll just leave it as Justice clearly thought that he was fully protected. He's done what he should. He's done what he was told. And he still got very, very sick. And yet, he said, that he was thankful to the Lord that he's been vaccinated and boosted. Um, if I got the smallpox vaccine and then a bad case of smallpox, I don't know that I'd be of the same mindset of thanking God for an obviously failed injection. But then it's what he said on Thursday when he was feeling much better after the monoclonal antibody treatment that takes the illogical cake. He said, quote, Without question... The fact that I chose to get vaccinated and boosted saved my life. That's all there is to it. So now more than ever, I strongly encourage all West Virginians to protect themselves and their families by getting vaccinated. End quote. Wait a minute. Vaccinated and boosted saved my life. That's all there is to it. That's all there is to it? No, Governor. That's not all there is to it. In fact, the vaccine and booster at best completely and entirely failed you. This claim made by seemingly everyone that's getting various levels of sick, that thanks to the vaccine, it's better than it could have been. This is one of the most asinine claims I've ever heard. The bottom line is, how do you know? That's a wild, illogical unscientific assumption based on what you've been told to think, and I would argue delusion because in your mind you simply can't accept the fact that you got vaxxed for nothing. Now speaking for myself, I've had COVID. I don't need to go into the details, but I woke up with some slight achiness over my body, took a Tylenol, I went to bed an hour or so earlier that night, next day, perfectly fine. Yes, based on all the people I was with and the various levels of sick they got, I, I do know it was COVID. If you can't tell by now, I'm not vaxxed with the COVID vaccine. The point is, it's also a certain percentage possible that Governor Justice would have actually done better if he hadn't gotten vaxxed. We literally have no way of testing either of these hypotheses. Now, Looking up virus lethality rates, it appears that in recent history, a virus called Marburg back in 1967 had a fatality rate of 80%. If we showed that those who took a vaccine and still got infected dropped that rate to, say, 40%, 
that's actual data that can show the vaccine did something, even if it didn't completely stop the illness. COVID has a fatality rate of around 2%. In West Virginia, because of Omicron, we're currently just under 1.5%. And yes, I know that at 70 years old, the lethality goes up, but it's still relatively small. So we have no data and no way to claim that getting vaxxed did anything for him or anyone else that's experienced a breakthrough case. Furthermore, Governor, that's all there is to it, the thing that saved your life was the monoclonal antibodies. If you were knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door, I know that won't sound right, the vaccine clearly failed you, and the monoclonals pulled you back to this mortal coil. The preventative did nothing, your immune system did nothing, the treatment did the heavy lifting. So why is he still pushing vaccines? This should have been a wake-up call to him that maybe there's more to the various protocols, the various treatments that have been canceled and railed against for the last two years in preference to an experimental drug. I'm not saying don't get vaxxed. I mean, that would be my own personal advice, but, but that's totally your decision. What I am saying is that justice should see the potential of failure of these vaccines and be a champion of freedom for right to try in West Virginia. And this shouldn't just be in our small state. This should be around the world. This is what really frightens me about society around the globe today. The total lack, total disregard of logic and common sense. This is why I felt that I needed to put this podcast out to encourage people, to whatever degree I can, to ask why and to keep asking until a satisfactory answer has been given. So my plea to you is to think, to question, to use all the resources available to you in any subject, not just this virus, and do the hard work of learning and discerning. I believe that God gave us minds to figure out medicine. I don't believe that all meds are bad, that we should claim that if we truly trust God, we wouldn't need doctors, hospitals, and the like. I believe in the wonderful advances in medical science. But I also believe that God gave us unbelievable minds, brains that should be used to think and study and learn, and yes, even ask questions. The Proverbs are replete with admonitions to grow in wisdom. You can't do that by just trusting what you're fed and doing what you're told. God wants us to inquire, to learn, to discern. Above all that, seek his will in all things. We shouldn't be acting out of fear. We shouldn't be robots doing as our masters command. We should not be pushing the process of thinking to someone else just because we're tired or we're lazy. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And that's where we start. It goes on to say, Fools despise wisdom and instruction. From this day forward, let's all vow together to no longer be fools. Well, here's an interesting article. I guess it's more of an opinion piece, but still, this one is well worth covering. I found this on vcstar.com, an article entitled, Column, California Should Abolish Parenthood in the Name of Equity. The opening sentence gives the premise of the column. Quote, if California is ever going to achieve true equity, the state must require parents to give away their children. And the second sentence shows the religious philosophy behind it. Quote, today's Californians often hold up equity the goal of a just society completely free from bias, as our greatest value. Dan, you say, this all makes perfect sense so far. Tell me more. 
Well, okay. The basic idea is that if we give our kids to the government, all inequality ceases, all debate ceases, everyone will be the same, think the same, act the same, and we can have perfect unity, finally. As of now, the real problem we have is that no matter what we do, no matter how many people, corporations, and politicians pledge equity, it'll never be enough as long as we have diversity of opinion. And as the author says, it's, quote, no match for the power of parents. So what exactly are the problems? Well, he breaks it down into two major categories of problems. First, families with greater wealth and education will pass that along to their children, passing along more privilege and increasing inequity. And two, families with less advantage will have children that will have to scratch and claw, and apparently it's getting worse. Or at least, as he says, quote, a recent Public Policy Institute of California poll found declining belief in the notion that you can get ahead through hard work. The author has the solution, though, or more accurately, the short-term solution for us to take as parents on our own prior to the state passing the law, and also what the long-term solution is being the state law making raising your own children illegal. Now, in the short term, what we can do. Rich and poor families should swap kids, and homeless and homeowners should swap kids. I mean, if it's that easy, right? Right? He quotes Plato's Republic that basically says no parent should know their offspring so that we create citizens loyal to society. And he says, since Californians are taking longer to marry and they're having less children, what's the big deal if we just hand over the kids to the state? We clearly don't really care about family or family values anymore. Now, just in case you think he's an unethical, amoral brute, he believes that this will be unifying in the long run, bringing together the, quote, most cherished policies of progressive and Trumpians alike. No bias there. Okay, so I'll bite. What are these policies that we can now all accomplish finally bringing us together? Well, one, removing kids from parents removes the parental objections to anti-racism and the normalization of whatever gender identity the child chooses. This would end white supremacy and the idea that there are only two genders, which are cruelly thrust upon unsuspecting children at birth. Two, the progressives could also create yet another new social safety net, as he calls it, quote, a child-raising system called foster care for all. Hmm. For us Trumpians, you know how much we just love to rip the immigrant children straight from the arms of the loving parents in order to lock them in, quote, border concentration camps. So if that's okay, and we really like that, then we can just do that for all children. Now, I absolutely refuse. I will not point out that the so-called cages on the border were created and utilized under the Obama administration, with Biden as the VP. They were continued to be used under the Trump administration, but with decreasing amounts since he slowed illegal immigration. And they're currently massively overloaded with children because of Biden's failed policies of letting just anyone in. I will not go down that road of mentioning that at all. He goes on. 
He says since Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett stated that abortion isn't really necessary since there are safe haven laws in every state allowing parents to turn over a newborn to the state, no questions asked, why not just improve on that since we like the idea so much and just make that a mandatory process for all parents of newborns? And then he gives the ultimate summary of of what we can accomplish here. If all children are raised in one system and taught one way, it would be so much easier to solve global problems. Well, he also says that, you know what, people are going to argue about this. They're going to complain. They're going to whine. But all these arguments are just rooted in silly emotion or, or some concept that you should have freedom or that we think that people are special. But those are foolish, quote, because they just can't see how relentless pursuit of equity might birth a brave new world. So this all makes perfect sense, right? I mean, looking at this very coldly, if all children were raised and taught the same, in theory, wouldn't that solve inequality and racism and debate and arguments? My guess is at this point, you may need to take the following steps. Take your hand and, and curl it into a fist. Now extend your pointer finger and place it under your chin, and push up gently, closing your mouth that is most likely hanging agape. Let's start here, shall we? Would this work as he imagines? Would this actually solve this unity? Would this solve inequality? Would this solve racism? And ultimately, would this solve the issues in the world? The short answer is no. The long answer, well, that's also no. Um, I think that nearly all thinking humans would look at this idea and see it as just insane. Unfortunately, this concept is not his alone. Think about it. In recent history, various boards and departments of education have been caught on live mics from time to time, either berating parents or stating that the parents shouldn't have the right to be involved with the child's education. Right now, there's a larger and larger push to get children into the public education system earlier and earlier. Go back a few years, Hillary Clinton was famous for saying that it takes a village to raise a child. Go back farther, and we get to the Hitler Youth. Go back much farther, and we see Daniel, renamed Belshazzar, Hananiah, renamed Shadrach, Mishael, renamed Meshach, and Azariah, renamed Abednego, as well as other, quote, youths without blemish of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans, they were stolen away by King Nebuchadnezzar for service in his kingdom. Since very early in our history, rulers have known that the way to destroy a nation, to build an empire, is to start with the kids. Indoctrination of the kids, to be more specific. What we also know is that this only works for a very short time. This always ends up in failure. At the very least, you remove creativity, spontaneity, the creation of art, music, you remove love, and everything else that has any emotion tied to it. Now, this should be obvious to anyone that this is an evil desire for tyranny and control that could never work unless your goal is to destroy humanity. So where could someone go so wrong? How could this guy be so delusional that he would think that this would be the right path forward? Well, 
not to be unkind, but looking at the picture that he submitted for the column, so this is fair game here, I would have to say drugs, likely weed, and likely a lot of it. I mean, look, he seriously looks like he just got back from an all-night bender. All right, I'm just being honest here. Now, assuming he wrote this while he was sober and in as clear of a mind as is possible for him, there's only one worldview that would lead to this kind of error. Without knowing for sure, I feel pretty comfortable that he would classify himself as an atheist, or at best an agnostic. From a worldview that starts with a big bang and reduces humans to nothing more than slime on a rock that's by random chance evolved into humans, humans are literally still nothing more than slime on a rock. At best, all we are is advanced monkeys, so the concept of individuality, independent thought, creativity, and varied viewpoints is really nothing more than electrical responses in the brain to external stimuli. That's for you and I. Not for the elite, of course, as us silly slime monkeys need to be led. We need to be told what to do and how to do it, how high to jump, as it were. I would imagine that the author of this column would fancy himself one of those elites, one of the enlightened ones that could guide the hand of the government handlers down the right path, setting the right agenda, crafting the right education. Now, unfortunately for this author, this is a worldview that's doomed to failure. God designed us to be free, for better or for worse. He created us as his image bearers, and as God is the creator of everything, that means that all of those emotion-based thoughts and feelings and actions, those are also gifts from God himself. Man, in all his wisdom, no matter how hard he tries, will never be able to thwart God's plan. There is an order. There is design. There is a plan. This plan has been attacked unsuccessfully since the rebellion in heaven. I wish I could say that his philosophy will never come true in the United States or the world, but sadly, as I've shown, to varying degrees, it's come true in the past, and it will most likely occur again in varying degrees in the future. Now, unwittingly, I'm sure, as his mind is so clogged with whatever substances he's on, I'm actually shocked he can string even semi-coherent thoughts together, but unwittingly, he's actually given us some solutions. He stated that Californians often hold up equity as their greatest value. Well, maybe that's a problem. If that is the greatest value, I think the church and Christians need to be doing a better job of delivering the message we've been tasked to deliver. Maybe we stop with the seven-point self-help seminars on Sunday mornings about how to be a better you and get that success you want and start preaching the reality of sin, death, hell, and the sacrifice of Christ, the blood shed for our sins, the salvation open to all who would believe, and the job we have before us as Christians. The Bible tells us that we are all equal in the eyes of Christ. There is now neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, but in no way does this guarantee equity on earth. Jesus himself said that the poor will always be among us. The author also stated that a poll found declining belief in the notion you can get ahead through hard work. Well, that tells me that the education system, and again, the church, is failing to deliver the correct message. We were created to tend the garden. After we screwed that up, we were told that in order to eat, we were going to have to work. Hard. Food would come by the sweat of our brow. Now, not all of us have a job where we come home exhausted, sweaty, and dirty. But we should all come home at the end of the day satisfied that we've put in a solid day's work for a solid day's wages, and that we've done everything that we've done that day for God's glory. 
I've worked multiple jobs from fast food to factory work to my present career as an engineer. I would never claim that I've worked in a way that God would be proud of me every single day. Or honestly, probably most days, if I'm, I'm being very honest. But I've always given my all to the position I've held. And I've always been given advancement opportunities if I wanted. Now, I know that this is becoming cliche, but look at former President Barack Obama. Former president. There are myriad examples of people who have come out of abject poverty to become wealthy or powerful or respected because they worked hard. Examples both as Christians and non-Christians. If people believe they're stuck where they are in some form of a modern-day caste system, then we need to re-educate those that are sending that message to our youth and educate the youth and those educators in reality. One last point, one last key that he's given us to combat his crazy town idea. And let me preface it with this. There's a lot more I could say. This article, this concept could turn into a series of podcasts and and further articles and sermons. I'm encouraging you to read this article, to think about it, to dig deeper and come up with your own solutions. But his final point, I would say the largest key that he gave unknowingly to fight against this stupidity, this evil is his single sentence lamenting the woeful inadequacy of politicians, governments, institutions, and corporations promising to work toward equity when he says, quote, but their promises are no match for the power of parents. See, he recognizes it. No matter what this world wants to do, next to God, parents are the most powerful beings in the world. In fact, Psalm 127 tells us that children are a blessing from the Lord and that blessed is the man that has a bunch of kids. In Proverbs, we're told to train up our child in the way he should go so that even when he's old, he won't depart from it. We as parents are given the charge to teach our children. We're to impart wisdom, help them reason and understand, and make sure they're well instructed in the ways of God. Nowhere in the Bible will you find anything that says that we should turn our children over to the state or the government or rely on others to raise them. And frankly, I don't care if you're a traditional family, a single parent, a step-parent, a foster parent, a grandparent, or a man or a woman that's stepping up to help mentor young minds. The power of the parental role is immense, and the charge to raise them right is clear. Those in the role of immediate authority, the position of leader, teacher, disciplinarian, and example, the parents, those are the people that can have more influence on the minds of children than any other teachers or advertisements or social media or friends. The right message repeated and displayed over and over and over again will do more for shaping a child's worldview than any tax-funded indoctrination center. Unfortunately, this influence does work both ways, but that's what freedom is, both as inhabitants of earth and as created spiritual beings. This kind of ideology, as crazy as it sounds, is very real. We must educate ourselves as to what's out there and why, and then educate those in our sphere of influence, especially our children, as to what the truth is. As a Christian, that's easy. I've got the user's manual for true truth. If you're a non-Christian, you have a harder road to hoe. But regardless, we can all pull in the same direction away from this kind of evil, and we must do so. Let's move to science. I love science. I have a bachelor's of science. What we today call modern science was essentially founded by Christians that were striving to discover 
how this creation by God works. This world works so perfectly, one would almost have to conclude that there was, in fact, a designer. That is, unless you look at, quote, science today. The problem is that we don't only consider ourselves homo sapien, which means wise man, but we now consider ourselves homo sapien sapien, meaning wisest of wise man. Because of this, we seem to believe that we have things generally figured out. This is why, as time goes on, we hear more and more about settled science in nearly all aspects of life, medicine, climate, evolution, pollution, etc. Anytime you hear that the science is settled, that's an immediate red flag that you've now moved out of science into a religion, as science by definition can never be settled. This is why stories like our next brings me great joy, even in the way that they tell it, because as a Christian, I know the truth, I understand the findings, and I'm not shocked in the least by what they've found. From The Guardian, again, link in the notes, an article entitled, Bugs Across Globe Are Evolving to Eat Plastic, Study Finds. The article touts the findings of a large-scale global assessment of how well bacteria and microbes can break down plastics. The study, performed by a group from the Department of Biology and Biological Engineering at the Chalmers University of Technology in Gothenburg, Sweden, found that microbes across the planet in both soil and oceans are evolving, quote, evolving, to eat plastic. The tone of this article is both positive and negative. It speaks of a large number of enzymes found in microbes that eat plastic, but they state that it's only because the, quote, environment is responding to the pressures we are placing on it, meaning we're polluting so much that nature has no choice but to evolve to keep up with the damage we're doing. The researchers state that in the past 70 years, we've increased plastic production from 2 million tons to 380 million tons per year, which allowed the microbes time to evolve to deal with our plastic addiction. They started uh, the study with 95 plastic degrading enzymes that were already known, I guess to kind of use as a control data set. They then went on to find 12,000 new plastic degrading enzymes in the ocean and 18,000 new enzymes in the soil. 60% of the total were completely different than anything they had seen before. And these degrade plastic in ways that were previously unknown. The article goes on to give a little background to plastic eaters. Amazing to me, the first plastic eating microbe was only found in 2016. And through some tweaks, they improved the speed and efficiency of breaking down plastics. They also discovered a bacterium that eats toxic polyurethane in 2020. Just amazing. So beyond the fascination of the topic, why do I bring this article up? Well, I have a few reasons. Number one, God is an amazing God, isn't he? These enzymes, these microbes, they didn't evolve. They were waiting. Evolution, by definition, is a gain of a higher function. This has never been seen in nature. We've seen things change in, in function. We've seen plenty of things lose functions. But we've never seen anything naturally gain in function. These little bugs clearly don't subsist on only plastic, but in their guts are enzymes that are obviously capable of breaking down plastics, 
using that for whatever energy the bug needs and leaving behind something that is biodegradable or more easily recyclable. As a young earth creationist, I know that God created these enzymes in the first six days of creation, likely day five, don't hold me to that. What these scientists boldly claim as evolution is nothing more than population shift or maybe just a population discovery. It may be that the large amount of bugs with these enzymes have always been there eating other stuff and we've never looked for them. It may be that these bugs thrive on plastic and have had a population explosion because now food is plentiful. Either way, God being completely sovereign, foreordained plastics and all the amazing uses and advancements they allow us, and foreordained the ability of the planet to continue to clean itself. As the wisest of wise men, not requiring God's assistance anymore, we've simply decided that we are both the cause of global destruction and the potential savior of the planet. Now, I'm not saying to go out and pollute and mistreat God's creation, but we need to realize that God created the planet perfectly with the ability to cleanse itself. How long did it take the Cuyahoga River to go from on fire to clear water after we stopped dumping waste into it? Look into the deep water horizon, that massive oil well blowout and spill, and the role that naturally occurring bugs played in chewing through the spilled oil. An omniscient and an omnipotent God can't be caught off guard, as it were. Number two, every time we humans settle the science or declare that we know what's going on, we seem to get slapped upside the head. I mean, we knew the plastics were going to destroy the planet. Shoot, even my local Kroger, and I think all Krogers, have gone to these thinner and thinner bags to save the planet to the point that they're virtually useless now and they were promoting the return to paper with the eventual final destination of reusable cloth bags. That is until the data came back that the reusable cloth bags are possibly the worst things we could use, and I haven't seen anything on it since. We know that plastic straws kill all the turtles, and that we're using a bazillion plastic straws per day apparently, so we can't have those, and we're told how terrible we are every day by the greenies tapping away their disgust of us plastic users on their smartphones and laptops made largely of plastic. Now, out of the 30,000 new plastic degrading enzymes, a full 18,000 of them work in ways we never knew existed. Should we really be calling ourselves Homo sapien sapien? Maybe we should call ourselves Homo inops, clueless man? Again, I'm not saying we should pollute our planet. God clearly commanded us to take care of the planet and all of creation, but he was also very clear that we should have no God besides him. When our care turns to activism, turns to worship, we violated our charter. God has given us the planet to use, populate, discover, and progress. He's given us fossil fuels through the application of massive pressure and heat on carbon-based plants and animals, primarily or entirely from the global flood of Noah's day. He's given us flowing rivers, sun, wind, and radioactive elements to further progress the globe technologically. And he's given the planet the bugs, the enzymes, the rivers, the hydrologic cycle, the oceans, etc. to deal with compounds in the atmosphere, global heating or cooling, cleansing of the planet, and remediation of waste. This is a beautifully designed planet. 
if science, quote, unquote, could ever get away from the desire to keep God out of it, just imagine the discoveries that could be made today. Be careful of articles dealing with science. Most of the discoveries and revelations are nothing but a number of assumptions based on data that's not understood by people who refuse to do actual science and then present it as facts. In the coming episodes, I guarantee we'll tackle more quasi-science articles. And with that, we've reached the end of this episode of the Logical Christian Podcast. If you've made it this far, the odds are you liked what you heard. I'd greatly appreciate a like, a comment, and a review if you're so inclined. As you likely already know, it all helps with the algorithms. Don't forget to subscribe so you can be notified whenever a new episode drops. And finally, if you found this podcast useful or entertaining, share it with your friends, your enemies, your in-laws, your outlaws. If you want to reach me, you can do so at lcpodcast at outlook.com, or increasingly, I'll be using at lcpodcast on Getter. Lawrence J. Peter said, Against logic, there is no armor like ignorance. But Jesus told us that if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So stay in the word, stay logical, stay faithful, and until next time, God bless.